these words from 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, and then verse 9, beginning in verse 4. As you come to Him, the Lord Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the message last week, we began to examine the meaning of this special calling that's here described as a royal and holy priesthood. And as we continue to study these words carefully, we find that perhaps nowhere else in the Scriptures is our role as the body of Christ better defined for us. Listen to these words, especially verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This calling, these words, sound so very much like that which God envisioned for His first chosen and beloved family, the Israelites. And now here we find that He's doing the same with us, with you and me. Those of us who have believed in Him and have received His blessed salvation that He's provided through the Lord Jesus. Listen to these words. This is a calling. You are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for His own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. A calling and a purpose, and instructions. Now, we're a chosen race. Does that mean, as some of our confused fellow believers contend, that God is now replacing His first chosen family, the Jews, with us, the church? There is a confused doctrine being preached out there that says exactly that. And may I say to you that that is not so. You and I are simply being added into adopted into His beloved family. And we're becoming brothers with His first family members, the Jews. We're not replacing them. And now here, as we join in to God's beloved family, we're being given a very expressly defined ministry and calling. That of being a royal and holy priesthood. Serving in amongst our own brethren in the faith, and then also in amongst a crooked and perverse generation of people whom God loves. And He wants them to also be saved. Now I'd like to begin by us considering a simple, though not complete, biblical definition of this role that we are being called into of priest. A priest is a person, a man or a woman, who is chosen by God and who is charged with the extraordinary responsibility of standing in the gap in between their fellow men and our omnipotent and holy God. Standing in between, in the gap between our fellow men and the omnipotent and holy God. And it's not because God is a threat to them and that He wishes to do them harm. Because He doesn't. Though yes, 
He can be a threat to them if they do reject Him and turn away from His salvation. But rather, instead, God desires to be a Savior and a loving Father to them. And they need a priest. A priest to intercede between them and God and to lead them to His throne. The duties of a priest are many. But principally, a priest is called to simply represent who God is to the people. He tells us that here in these words of verse 9. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. As priests, we're to represent God in this way, proclaiming His excellencies to all of those that we meet. And then also, a priest is to intercede before the people to God. To stand in the gap, and as verse 5 tells us, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Spiritual sacrifices. The first occasion in these scriptures that we see a priest at work was as Abraham was returning from this battle of defeating the armies of the king of Elam who had taken his nephew Lot captive. And so after defeating those armies, Abraham is returning back from those battles. And along the way, seemingly right out of nowhere, suddenly appeared this man whose name was Melchizedek. He's a man described here as being the king of Salem and priest of the Most High God. Listen to these words. This is Hebrews chapter 7, beginning of verse 1. Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth of everything... He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. Melchizedek. Now, as these words imply, being a man without an earthly father or mother, no beginning or end of days, and resembling, looking so very much like the Son of God. This is understood by the Bible scholars as being one of the first manifestations of the Lord Jesus in what is called a pre-incarnate state of being. And then here by His appearing, He reminded Abraham that it was by the power of the Most High God that He was able to have victory over his enemies. And then also that one-tenth, a tithe of that increase that he had gained, they had to give back to the Lord. A tithe. And may I add that this is where tithes first started. It was not in the law of God. This was long before the law of God was given. And so Abraham gave a tenth, a tithe, to Melchizedek. And then the next and most clearly given instance of God's calling of men into this role of priesthood was as he divided out the new promised land and then all the future responsibilities of the tribes of the twelve sons of Jacob. And there God called eleven of those tribes into just very ordinary roles, daily roles of life, working the farms, working their businesses. But for the tribe of Levi, God defined a very different and special responsibility of being priests to all those other 11 tribes. And as priests, the tribe of Levi would not be themselves allotted their own portion of the tribal lands. 
but they would instead intermix themselves in amongst the other 11 tribes, building the churches of their day, the synagogues and and the temples. And they would teach God's laws and His truths to the people, being their representative to Him and His representative to them, making intercession for their sins before the mercy seat of God. And as priests, their duties and responsibilities often involved the shedding of blood of the sacrifices of animals to atone for the sins of the people. And among those priests, there was one special one designated each year to be a high priest. And his special duties involved the taking of the blood of those sacrificed animals from the outer sanctuary of the temple into the innermost sanctuary called the Holy of Holies. And there he would make intercession for the people's sins. As the high priest, his intercession was made on behalf of not only the repentant sinners that had brought their sacrifices to the temple, but also for himself. For himself and for all the other priests who ministered to those needs of those people that they represented. So there before the mercy seat of God, the high priest stood in the gap, pleading for mercy and for grace for the people and for the forgiveness of their sins. Why was that necessary? Why was that necessary? And why are such priestly duties still so very, very necessary today? Is not God a God of love? We hear that often. That God's a God of love as if everything that we would do would be okay with Him. Yes, God is a God of love. But He's so very, very much more. He's also holy. Beyond any measure that we can imagine or understand. And in His holiness, He's devised laws. Laws that define the boundaries of holiness, of right and wrong, of good and evil. And because God is holy, He cannot permit any form of unholiness, any kind of wrong behavior or evil to abide in His presence. And unfortunately, all men, all women, all of us in our human condition are inherently evil. And unholy. Do you believe that? Let me tell you why I believe that. It's given to us in Romans chapter 3. Said simply in verse 10 As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, no one who understands, no one who seeks after God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now, simply put, folks, this is why we all need a Savior. And this is why we need an intercessor priest to stand in the gap for us. And this is why we ourselves are being called to be intercessor priests for others. The Old Testament Levite priests interceded by offering up blood sacrifices of animals to signify the the repentance of these ones who would come to the temple. And it would represent atonement for their sins. But listen, those animals were only a foreshadowing of the real sacrifice for atonement that God in His holiness really required in order to remove sin. And so that's what we read about all through the New Testament Gospels. The Messiah, the Lord Jesus, would become God's chosen sacrifice. Why did God need for Jesus to be a sacrifice? It's because unlike the blood of those animals which only covered over the sins of the people, the blood of Christ was able to actually wash 
sins away, to take away, to completely remove sins from the hearts of men and women, eternally cleansing and making us holy and acceptable to God. John the Baptist described it in verse 29 of John 1. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. You and I did not need our sins to be covered over. You and I needed our sins to be removed completely. Because when we step over that threshold, out of this life into eternal life in heaven, we cannot bring one sin with us. Not even one. Not a covered sin. We cannot have any sin in us. And so that's why we needed Jesus to be our sacrifice. He takes away the sins of the world. Our sins. He was the true Messiah. He was not only the perfect sacrifice, but He was also the perfect priest. The great high priest He's called. And He interceded for us. He stood there in the gap. And He kept the wrath of God, which we so fully deserved from being put upon us and instead to be put upon Himself. All I can say for that is what a wonderful Savior Jesus is. But listen... For us, His chosen people, His sacrifice of atonement that took place there on the cross 2,000 years ago was only the first beginning step of His plan. And so just as in the days of the Levites when God needed so many, many priests to go out and minister His saving plan out in amongst all the people, so does God now also need many, many priests. He needs many of us to minister the saving atonement of Christ out to the people of this world beginning with you and me, with our own families, then on out to all the nations of the world. Now all among the days of Jesus' daily ministry, He was training and He was equipping His disciples for the priesthood. But now through these words that we're reading here in these Scriptures, you and I are also being called and being trained up to be these same royal and holy priesthood. As we've been saying over these past few weeks, There is really so very, very much yet remaining to be done. And you and I have been called and chosen to get about doing it. Christ has appointed you and me. Listen, Christ has appointed you and me to be part of His royal and holy priesthood, to succeed Him and to carry forward all that He began. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Or is your day much caught up with what's going on in your own life? God has especially equipped and anointed you and me for this task of being a priest. He not only has filled us with His Holy Spirit, He has poured out His Holy Spirit upon us. He has anointed us with Himself and with all that we'll need to carry out our blessed calling as priests. Let me read these words for us again. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. As we said last week, as you and I come to Christ, and as we receive His blessed salvation, we immediately become one of the living stones spoken about here in verse 5. An interwoven part of the structure of His spiritual house, the church. 
This church, this group assembled here today is to be about much, much more than just coming and listening to a message. We've got to take that which is said here. And when we go out those doors, it has to become part of our priesthood. We have not become one of these structures, one of these living stones for our own benefit alone. Yes, for our benefit, but not for us alone. We have been ordained into the priesthood of His church, and you and I need to get about, as he says here, offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through the Lord Jesus. What are those spiritual sacrifices? All that he's telling us to do here is a tall order. But you and I, and our part in it, can be relatively an easy one if we will simply surrender ourselves to being part of this royal priesthood. Just as God did in those early days, the people of Israel. He's doing it to you and me now. Just as He called the Israelites out of the darkness and separated them into their own nation and promised land of light, so also He has chosen you. Do you believe that? He has chosen you. He has chosen me and has called us out of our darkness into His marvelous light. And again, He's not done this just for your and my benefit alone. Yes, it's wonderful that we're saved. But our salvation is for the purpose of then getting up and getting on about these duties like this. Being His chosen race, His royal and holy priesthood. Spreading this provision of light that He has given to us. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession that you may, and listen, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Do you do that? Do you do that? Is that part of your day? Look here, what else, before we close, that He's done. He has not just adopted us into His family of millions of other believers. You and I are especially chosen and have been adopted into what He calls His royal family. And as we've studied so often here, you and I truly have become sons of God, co-heirs with Jesus. We're told that in Romans chapter 8. And as sons, we're a holy priesthood, a holy separated people set apart unto God for His purposes. That is far more than what the church members in our churches today get involved in. We mostly come and we listen. But God is saying, I want more of you. We've been bought with a price, He says. Christ's own blood. We've been pulled out of our broken condition. And we've been resettled into this kingdom of light, filled with promise. And we have a job to do. And these are our marching orders. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is marching orders. This is not information. This is marching orders. We are to begin immediately, as we're told here right at the first, we are to begin immediately to, and we are to continue all the remaining days of our lives to proclaim the excellencies of Him who are called out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so then, how do we do that? How do we do that? First, you and I have to understand that witness and testimony are so very important within our calling as priests. What is your witness like? What is your testimony like? When you walk in amongst your friends... Do they look at you and say, 
I want to be like him. I want to be like her. There's something different about them. What would be different? It would be the difference that you've been separated out from darkness into light. And now you're a different person. And your witness and your testimony speaks to it. And they can't deny it. You and I are not to just look like good Christian people who do good things even. Now that's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. But this priesthood requires so much more. And it requires that we not just act like we're part of the royal family of God. We are to actually be a part of the royal family. True sons of God and willing members of His priesthood. You and I have a favored position within the courts of God. Do you realize that? When you begin to pray, when you go into your war room closet and you begin to pray, you are standing before the Trinity of God. And you're not just there in a timid position. You are a son. You can stand there with boldness, we're told in Scripture. Come before His throne with boldness. We have a favored position within the courts of God. We're not only able to stand before Him and through our prayers and our supplications make intercession on behalf of all of our brethren and on behalf of the lost and broken souls of unbelievers. But listen, we are also expected to be there. You and I are not just given the opportunity to come. You and I are expected to be there before the throne of God daily, even hourly. It's our calling and it's our duty. And that's what he's saying in these words. And so then, may I ask you, do you intentionally set aside time every day when you get alone with God and pray? Do you do that? Do you have a time every day set aside because God expects you to be there? You're a son. You're not a hired worker. You're not just a servant. You're a son of God. He expects you to be there. Do you intentionally set aside a time every day when you get alone with God and pray? And when you're praying, for whom do you pray? For what do you pray? Do you spend much of your prayer time praying for your own personal needs, for your own desires? Do you pray for temporal things like your finances, your work life, your social life, other similar things? Now, all those things are right things to pray for personal needs and desires. It's important that you pray for those. But may I strongly exhort you to get on past all those many needs of self. Let me assure you that if you forget to pray for yourself, that's not a loss to you. God knows your needs. And if you give yourself instead to the praying and, and petitions and supplications for others, God's going to meet your needs. He's going to meet your own personal needs. So you and I need to really get on past the many needs of self and get about this special calling that God has, has anointed you and me to carry out this holy priesthood. To diligently then stand before the throne of God, crying out and pleading for the needs and for the sufferings and for the lost souls of others. Won't you do that? You're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Let's pray.